again, I get to speak to our patrons, our customers, who we get to educate about about not only the food, but where the food is from. So I get to talk about my heritage. I get to talk about my culinary culture or my culture. I get to share with them all those beautiful things about the different islands of the Philippines, about the beaches, and you know all the all, all the good things that that I remember growing up and that I I'm still learning now as an adult. This is the Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. One's culture, one's heritage, is as important as exploring new boundaries. In Australia, we are blessed with a rich tapestry of cuisines and cultures from all over the world. As a child, Will Mahuse grew up helping his father deliver the colour and vibrancy of Filipino cuisine with his catering company. As an adult, he's taken the reins of the family business, found bricks and mortar, and is leading the charge to celebrate and take Filipino food to a wider audience down under. Will, was there a lot of pressure in carrying on um, your father's legacy and build upon that? Yes, I um, did feel the pressure and there are times where I still feel a bit of that pressure because obviously you know he's been doing it for well over three decades and I've only been doing it for a solid five maybe six years not counting you know the two years of uh, training (laughs) being his sort of sidekick and uh, the flavors is the exact flavor aroma everything yeah, it's the, 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 sometimes the, the pressure sort of kicks in um, or the expectations. But, um, you know, I do, I do have faith in what I've learned um, through him. So, uh, but then also just to, as a measuring stick, he does, you know, uh, taste, a um, bit of a taste tester for what, what I've, how I produce things. Um, and, you know, give me the two thumbs up, then I'm good. <laughs> You mentioned uh, two years training, even though you grew up in that environment. What, tell us about that, that period of timing, what, what it took with the training. Well, I, gotta, I, I do have to say that my dad um, processes his, you know, recipe, I suppose. Um, he's guarded it um, very close to his heart and he didn't even share that to any of my siblings. Um, I'm the only one who... Um, has been passed. Yeah, um, you, you know, it wasn't even until I was in my late thirties ish, mid late thirty, that I was able to learn those things from him. And not because he um, he was the one who took the initiative to show me. It was because of me. Um, if I didn't ask, then he wouldn't have shown me or taught me. Yeah, and um, he. I, he's the only one. Like he kept it close to, his, sort of guarded, like a, like a, you know, like a, in a vault, so to speak. Well, the the restaurant that you have, Sydney Cebu Lechon, is built around that dish. And tell us about how important that dish is to your heritage. Well, first of all, I was born in a city um, called Cebu. Cebu City is the central part of the Philippines, of the Philippines made up of well over 7,100 
Virgin Islands. Cebu is one of those. Um, that's an iconic dish of that particular province or that particular island. Cebu lechon. It's literally the lechon is actually literally named after the island of Cebu. Um, so it is it is important. It is iconic, and it's you know naming your your dish um, as your restaurant. Um, it's I, I don't know what to say, but um, it does bring um, pressure in terms of expectation um, because when your restaurant is named after a particular dish, then you need to pretty much live up to what that dish, I suppose, is all about, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, Anthony Bourdain was quoted as saying that that dish is the best on the planet in regards to roast pig. Can you tell us about the dish and, and how it's how it's cooked? Yeah, so um, Anthony Bourdain, when he made statement, um, you know, years back, the late Anthony Bourdain, um, that basically put the Sibulichon um, dish, I suppose, on the map um, and got to got to experience what Sibulichon is all about. And the way it's um, prepared is uh, it's a freshly, back in the Philippines, um, it's the most common um thing to do for a lot of the families is they would kill the um the uh slaughter the pig um in the early hours of the morning um say around 5 um 5 uh, a.m. and the preparation preparation process because it's all manual in terms of um like literally manual it's not like the the abattoir that we have here a lot of it could be automated so you've got um, a group of men holding, um, you know, the, the pig down. And so all of the process, and I got to experience that when I was a child, and obviously I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, it starts from that and uh, cleaning the internal um, the internal sections of the pig and trying not to waste um, anything. So we would keep, you know, all the intestines and, and the liver, and you could – you could make um, a lot of dishes out of those things. Um, but uh, more importantly, what's what the Sibulichon is very um, iconic with its flavor and its aroma, uh, very aromatic. And um, it's nothing, it's not your ordinary roast pork, put it that way. Um, you, I love my roast pork, um, you know, with mustard or applesauce. But this Sibulichon is like, your roast pork, but the upgraded version. Well, what's some of the ingredients and techniques that make it so special? It's not sibulichon unless it's cooked over charcoal or fire or it doesn't matter what charcoal you use or what sort of um, just natural fire, not, not gas or electricity. To the aromatics, so each family will have different variations or each, um, we call it barrio. Barrio is, I suppose, in, in here, we would call it um, sort of LGAs or like city council sort of areas. Um, so each sort of council areas or barrio, we would have different um, variations, um, but not too much difference. So I add star anise. The other family, you know, the next um, suburb may not add star anise, for example, 
or they might add uh, bay leaves instead. Um, but for my family recipe, um, uh, it's no longer a secret because, um, you know, I do share. But, uh, you know, we add stuff like uh, lemongrass, definitely. Um, a, lot of, um, a lot of garlic, a lot of uh, um, uh, scallions, spring onions, a lot of um, uh, bay leaves. Uh, black peppercorns, um, um, star anise, for example, uh, salt. Um, and um, so those are the, the handful of things that must go in in, in our sibulichon, in the Mahusai sibulichon. And sibulichon, um, it, it is somewhat has salty notes to it. And that salty notes is prominent sort of flavor profile when it comes to sibulichon. So you've got your salty flavor profile, you've got your aromatics um, in there, um, and then that's obviously cut down. All of that is sort of washed down with what we call a sausawan. So the word sausawan is essentially a condiment, the word condiment or a dipping sauce. And it's heavy on um, acidity, a lot of acidity, and the saltiness of that is balanced with soy sauce, and then you chop your your um, your tomatoes, your your onions, for example, and and some garlic, and you mix it all into that um, uh, acidic uh, condiment. Uh, you can let it ferment um, for days or months on end, um, but otherwise, um, you could just you know put together that mixture, and that's what you would. That's the number one dipping sauce or condiment that you would have with every sibulichon. We call it Sausawan. Yeah. One of the features of the Cebu Lechon is the incredible glass-like sort of crackling and skin that you achieve and also that colour that also – how, how do you – what does it take to get um, crackling in the skin like that? Well, first of all, you do um, need to uh, dry out the skin. Um, you know, you need to draw the moisture out once that's all done. A lot, there's this technique that a lot of the uh, Chinese barbecue place use where they've got this tool where there's a lot of um, like pins and you use that little tiny pin and create you know, those micro holes. And um, whether you want rub it, to rub it with salt or not, it's up to you. Again, it's a different process for every family. But definitely dry out the skin. Um, you know, do that process where you stab those micro holes in the skin. Um, people, different people will... Uh, sort of coat it with different things such as like um, I've tried coating our, our one with Coca-Cola <laughs> that gives it that uh, because obviously the, the sugar in the in, in the Coca-Cola um, it gives it that slight caramelization color and a bit of sweet a tad bit of sweetness to it as well tell us a bit about Filipino food and what food and feasts were like for you as a kid uh, Filipino food um, is a feast. It's a, definitely a communal. It's a communal um, way to eat. Uh, it's very seldom, or it's not common for Filipinos to eat. Um, you know, Filipino families to eat on their own. Um, growing, we would always eat as as a group as a as a family as a group whether it's a group of friends um the only exception is if you're home alone but um for the most part i could never or we we are never we would never be allowed to 
eat on our own, we need to eat or we have to eat with our siblings and with our parents or, you know, if your grandparents are around. Yeah. Uh, Filipino food um, is presented um, or put together. Has that communal outcome, I suppose, similar to Italian um, culture, the culinary culture of Italy, where it's quite communal sense where it's you know you've got your table long table whether it's a long table or not but there's a spread there that the nonna would put out right it's very communal so it's very similar in terms of the way we gather around and feast and and eat and a lot of banana leaves for example um in in certain provinces are used um as as your plate and um eating with your with your hands we call that kamayan so kamayan is the act of eating with your with your hands um, of you know in, in this modern day and age obviously uh, that may not be as popular as it was 30 or 50 years ago um, with your um, you know spoon and fork being readily available now um, but yeah it, it is a fun experience um, it's very commu- community like um, eating and everything is made to share yeah is there any uh, events or experiences that you recall when you were young that your um, parents put on with the catering company that you can tell us about? Oh, yes, of course. Um, growing up, we, my family threw quite a bit of parties and we were also invited to parties. And it was those earlier years where that's how my dad's um, pig um, started because what started as a family gathering, we, he would bring it there. Um, other visitors or guests would say, oh, who did this? Oh, no, um, Fred Mahusay did it. Um, and then, oh, can I order from you? Friends of friends and friends of friends of friends are ordering it. And we, you know, would get invited to those parties. Obviously, that we would be there because, you know, we're still young and we would be attached to them pretty much wherever they go. And I would see my dad's, pig my dad's um sibulachon on on their um table as a centerpiece it's somewhat uh, a grand gesture a sign of grand gesture um it is a centerpiece and it's probably the dish that people um would run to first because they want that piece of sibulachon before it disappears tell us about your career for the the majority of it, it wasn't in food. But what led to that change and that desire to move into the food industry and take on the family business? Yeah, so before the uh, before getting into hospitality, I was working for companies such as Corporate Express, which is, I believe it's now known as Staple. I work for companies like Open Colleges as a, you know, as a career advisor. Um, I've also worked for startup tech startup companies like Groupon, Groupon Australia, New Zealand. And I, I enjoyed um, working for, for the corporate and I learned so much um, valuable transferable skills such as marketing, such as building a business, such as scaling up a business, such as sales and marketing um, sort of um, abilities and skills. And that's what I was able to learn for what, over 15 years. And I I was able to apply a lot of those uh, skills and the things that I've learned to take Fred and Feli Mahusay Sibulachon to now what it's called Sydney Sibulachon. And I renamed it Sydney Sibulachon because 
Sydney, although I was born in the Philippines, in Cebu, but I was, um, for the most part, raised in Sydney um, from the age of 10 or 11. Now, uh, 40, turning 46 this year, so, you know, I was brought up in Sydney, so I, 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 it was only natural for me to call it Sydney, which is the city that I, was, that I grew up in. And then I had to add Cebulichon there because that's obviously what we're representing, so hence the reason why it's now Sydney Cebulichon. <laughs> Tell us about that transition. What, what triggered it and were there some surprises um, moving into hospitality for you? There was. Um, and I would say, for lack of a better term, um, critics in terms of um, how to manage or handle um, all sorts of criticism for me, it was very new and I didn't have sort of a textbook or I didn't have a guideline on how I should um, deal with, with, with critics because I, at the very beginning, I took things to heart. It sort of affected me personally. But um, after some time, after I'd say a couple of years, I then learned how to filter and how to separate that part of my personal life. And um, to, the, to where I am now, I would just say to myself that, look, I can't please everybody. Um, that's the way, that's just a fact. Like, I can't please everyone. The flavors that I produce may not be every single person's cup of tea and now that now that i think about that i've come to a realization and i've acknowledged that and i've accepted that and i can live with that because and it's the truth it's not just a fact but it's the truth and i can't yeah you can't i suppose yeah you can't please everyone out there and everyone out there has different expectations on what a you know a steak should taste or what a sibulichon should taste but I just focus on the majority and I know this, that the majority of the people that I've served are very pleased and happy, but, um, you know, and the, there are a minority that, that are not happy because they expect it to be like this or to be like that. But for me, that's fine. Yeah. Filipino cuisine is not as prevalent as other Southeast Asian cuisines in Australia, uh, but you're really at the uh, a driving force in um, sharing the knowledge of it and uh, experiences. Why, why do you think it's um, not as prevalent and what's so great about it and why people should um, embrace it? Well, first of all, I need to um, just uh, sort of put it out there that myself and there are other um, individuals or non-for-profit organisations that I've been a part of and still a part of now where we all come together as a community and really, you know, make Filipino food uh, part of daily conversation in, you know, the general, general mainstream Australia. So I've got my sister, Louisa Brimble, who was with me um, for the cook-up. And you've got the entrepreneurs. And, and in Sydney, we have FFMA and Anna. Anna is inspiration to me. And um, so we're all a driving force behind each other's um, passion and motivation. And Kylie, Javier Ashton, is an amazing woman 
um, talking about Filipino food outside of the Filipino uh, community. And we all do our part. I'm personally, I'm doing as much as humanly possible to make Filipino food be part of Aussie, um, you know, uh, discussion. Because the reason why, for me, the reason why it's underrepresented, perhaps even borderline underappreciated, is because Filipino food, and perhaps you could say this with a lot of um, um, uh, cultures out there, but Filipino food is such a memory in a sense that we grow up eating Filipino food that's cooked by not only our grandparents, but our own parents. And, you know, you grow up eating that food in your household for decades. And then, you know, some of us, and I've been guilty of it, I'll be the, one of the first people to admit I've been guilty of this, where I would go out and um, rather than appreciating what that chef um, or cook what served or cooked for me, I would say, oh, but it's not the way my mom cooks or the way my, my grandfather prepares it. So therefore, it's not legit, if that makes any sense. But I, as soon as I stopped that mindset, as soon as I, I said to myself, Will, I can't, you know, you can't keep on having that sort of expectations because, of course, your mom's, you know, your, your mom's, your nonna's um, spaghetti is probably going to taste better than the other person's spaghetti. Mm. Just <laughs> Filipino food, it tends to be like that and we're, all, we're our own worst critic. But, and that's where all of us are coming together to try and break that mentality, to try and break, you know, certain mentalities that we've been, that's been holding us back is what we call the crab mentality, for example. So we're all coming together to re-educate ourselves and the people around us that, hey, go out um, to a Filipino restaurant, to a Filipino eatery, experience what they've got to, what, what they're serving you and appreciate it for what it is. You've got uh, a, a short menu, um, but pork makes up a really big part of that. What's, what's the reason behind that? And what's some of the other pork dishes that you do at Sydney Cebu Electron? Yeah, so our menu is very short, as in we've got, what, maybe eight dishes on our menu. Um, have two or three other dishes that we'll add on our um, chalkboard specials as part of our specials. But um, that sometimes changes, um, you know, once a month, if that. Um, but our regular menu has about eight items, and um, we are a pork specialist. Um, so that's the reason why our menu is what 70% pork uh, dish. So our star dish, our signature cebulichon, um, essentially we would translate it to, to charcoal roast pork. The other pork dishes that we've got is our garlic pepper, um, pork sausages and, um, our cured caramelized pork, um, neck that's thinly sliced it's pan fried um it has uh caramelization a little bit on the sweet note side of it and we've also got our uh twice cooked or deep fried crispy pork belly um that has a liver pate dipping sauce which we call um a lot of people call it pang tomas or sarsa and we also have our um spicy coconut curry where 
um, the main ingredient. Again, it's crispy, deep-fried crispy pork belly with a decadent, thick coconut curry that's, uh, uh, that's mixed in with our fermented shrimp paste and um, chili as well. Um, and it's uh, slight, I, I would say it, it is spicy. And then other dishes are like your chicken humba, which is the braised soy chicken served in a clay pot. And we have organic mixed vegetables. We saute in shrimp, uh, fermented shrimp paste, for example. Mm. What's so special about the pig for Filipino cuisine? Um, it features so strongly on your menu and um, Cebu lechon is obviously a very important dish culturally. But what is the significance of the pig and why is it so important? Well, it is um, pork, uh, beef, for example. Those are the two sort of um, meat or protein that's um, not easily um, purchased by um, many um, people. And you, if you're going to put together a party, in, let's say you know, in, in the Philippines and you have a gathering in your barrio or in your sort of um, suburb or neighborhood and you have like pork dishes or beef dishes that's quite um, considered as a uh, extravagant um, sort of dish um, so it's you know it's not an everyday protein and something everyday that the general public would put up is like something like fish because fish is is a very affordable um, an all veg vegetarian or a vegan dish or you know of course um, but yeah, oh, and chicken is also another one that's also somewhat affordable. But when you're talking about pork or, or beef, like you know, especially pork, um, it is it is a special, almost like a special occasion type of um, protein that you would serve. And so in here, um, we've the way I've designed the menu is a couple of things. One, let's make uh, let's make it a celebration um, by putting these. Uh, this type of meat on our menu by making it more predominantly pork because one or a few things pork is very famous in in the philippines two because of its uh, meaning where let's not wait for a reason to to eat pork um let's you know let's just let's just make it um everyday celebrate Let, let's not create an occasion let everyday be an occasion so to speak um and then uh, three because uh, if you're going to be buying a whole pork or a whole hog pig, then you kind of want to use ev as much as you can of that pig. And, you know, with, with our pig, we dissect the, the, the belly section and we make a lot of it our dish, such as the Lichon Kowale or the Crispy Beagle Express or the uh, Sibulichon Belly Roll, for example. Now that you've uh, been running a hospitality business for five or six years um, and celebrating Filipino cuisine, what, what is it that you love about what you do? In, in no particular sort of um, order, uh, one, I get to um, not only serve the food that my dad taught me, that he's passed on to me, and now um, he's the grandmaster and, and um, I would say... Um, comfortably speaking, I would say I'm I'm the master. I've yet to uh, achieve his sort of um, level yet. And then again, I get to speak to our patrons, our customers, um, non 
communities that are outside of the Filipino communities, non-Filipino um, individuals who we get to educate about about not only the food, but where the food is from. So I get to talk about my heritage. I get to talk about my culinary culture or my culture. I get to share with them all those beautiful things about the different islands in the Philippines, about the beaches and, you know, all the, all, all the good things that, that I remember growing up and that I, I'm still learning now as an adult. Um, three, um, what I love about or what I enjoy and love about what I'm doing is that I get to basically pass now, pass on what my dad has taught me to my team. Well, Will, you're an inspiration and we've loved having you on The Crackling today to hear your story. Um, good luck with everything and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you so much. This is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.